you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter 27, Proverbs chapter 27, and uh, we're going to continue talking about contentment, and uh, I was looking, and and uh, this verse is a, perhaps a, an odd verse, um, and, and there's really a, quite a bit to it as we look at it, Proverbs chapter number 27, and verse number 7 look at this verse this in Proverbs 27 and verse 7 the Bible says this the full soul clotheth in honeycomb but the hungry soul every but to hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet so the full soul loatheth in honeycomb but the hungry soul every the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. let's pray uh, before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you just for your goodness to us. And Father, as we look at this verse, God, I pray that you'd me. I pray, Father, that you'd focus our minds on your word this evening and help us to be uh, attentive, Father, to uh, what you have to say to us. And God, may we uh, learn from it and grow. And God, may we be people that we're content uh, in our lives. And, and Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd again... Bless each and every person that's here. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse, uh, I want to think about this. The soul is divine, defined as many things throughout Scripture. Uh, and one of the things, uh, and you really kind of have to look at it in context with every verse, it's used over 400 times in Scripture. I was looking through uh, this because as I read this, uh, again it says, The full soul clotheth, and honeycomb and uh, and as we think about that and we think uh, when I first read that I thought the full soul clotheth and honeycomb and I, I started looking at that and thinking about that and uh, and and it's something that I really want us to focus on and uh, and get the whole idea of this verse and there is kind of a twofold idea there uh, but then also we're going to talk about contentment which is what this verse deals with and learning to be content is an important part of Christianity. We talked last week about how the world often promotes discontentment and how they're constantly uh, propagating other things before us and they uh, want us to desire other things. And uh, the idea as well with this verse is that uh, murmuring and complaining uh, is discontentment of what God has provided or done for you. Sometimes in our Christian life, uh, we do tend to murmur or complain, or sometimes we expect more of God than what He does for us, and uh, we can become discontented with God. And so we need to be careful of that. So as we think about this verse, uh, I want you to notice this. Uh, we talked about the soul. Uh, what is the soul? The first thing uh, in this verse, it's odd. You would think uh, it may say the full stomach or the uh, full belly or uh, the full body and that would that would talk more about the physical uh, but it says the full soul and uh, as we think about this uh, I do want us to understand that hey a soul does have an appetite uh, I was going through and I was looking up because I said uh, to myself I thought what what is this soul what does it stand for what exactly is the soul uh, now you want a difficult homework assignment to find soul. Uh, that is tough. It's used many ways throughout Scripture. 
But one of the ways that it, it can be used, and it was the most logical way that we would think of this verse, is for physical food. Uh, there's no doubt that this very well uh, can apply and does apply to physical food. So uh, we think about this. Look at it in the physical sense. It says, the full soul clotheth in honeycomb. Now, this is really easy to understand. We can certainly understand this part. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and, uh, and you order your meal? And I don't know about you, but they always bring me a portion larger than I can usually eat. I'm like, man, uh, I, don't, I don't eat that much. And I know some people don't have that problem. I do. I get my food. I get my plate. I, they bring it to me. I eat it. And, uh, and man, I am, I'm going to finish it. And so I finish it, and I feel so stuffed when I'm done. And then the waitress comes by, and she says, you guys save any room for dessert? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I would love dessert, but there is no, I can't even think about eating dessert at this point. And sometimes they'll come by and they'll bring their pies and look at this, you know, we got uh, cheesecake and we got cherry pie, we got this and we've got brownies and we've got all this and you're looking at it and you're like, man, I'll take that stuff, well, I am stuffed. Now maybe you don't have that problem at a restaurant, but you probably have that problem around Thanksgiving time. And, uh, and you eat that big meal and you're looking at the dessert table and you're like, man, it just about makes me sick. The way you solve that is you eat dessert first, a little sliver of dessert, then you eat your meal. See, then that solves that problem. Uh, but uh, the biblical idea that giving us is that you can relate to that. I mean, you've eaten so much and you've stuffed that you can't even think about something sweet afterwards. I mean, it really, you're like, man, I can't. I, it looks good, but I cannot eat it. There is no way on earth. And that's the idea that he's giving in a very physical sense. Uh, let me, let's go to a one verse real quick. Save your spot here in Proverbs. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 20. And I want you to see how this verse, the word soul, does apply to a physical sense. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse number 20. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, uh, but I just do want to want you to see uh, in context of the Scripture that the soul uh, can be talking about the physical aspects of hunger. Pro Deuteronomy 12 and verse number 20, the Bible says this, When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because my soul longeth to eat flesh, Thou mayest eat flesh whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. And so this is a, a very clear verse, a very common uh, sense verse that you can look at it, you can read it, and basically God's giving them instruction. He's saying, hey, when you come to the place uh, that I've provided for you, and, uh, and your soul, he says in there, desireth meat, that would be a physical soul. That would be physical meat. That would be... Uh, just a, a straightforward common sense where the Bible makes common sense uh, seek no other sense. There's no other meaning there. There's no other need for a meaning there. Uh, but there's very clear that the soul uh, is a, can be fed with a physical aspect. So I want us to understand at least that part. Uh, and that idea is here in Proverbs 27 and verse 7. It says, For the full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now, if you've ever been hungry, 
and, uh, and maybe you've worked, and man, you're like, I could eat a horse. And, uh, and you come in, and I'm telling you, it really doesn't matter if it's cooked well or not cooked well. You're so hungry at that point that you're going to eat. It doesn't, the taste is not so much important. And that we can understand. That's very clear. That's the, that's the easiest part of this verse to get is the physical aspect. Uh, but I think this proverb deals a little bit deeper than that because I think he uses that physical lesson that is very easy to be understood to apply a, 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 another aspect, and that would be the spiritual side of all of this. And so let's go back again and think about this. He says this in verse 7, The full soul clotheth in honeycomb. Now if we're talking spiritually and we're talking about the appetite, then we're talking about the spiritual appetite. And, uh, and, and what is our spiritual appetite? Go with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter number 3. I want you to see as, as the Bible addresses... Uh, this spiritual appetite, and, uh, and, and it addresses it in these verses. Revelation chapter number 3, and again, save your spot in Proverbs, as we'll be back there. But we're talking about the, the spiritual appetite of the full soul. And, uh, and look at what it says in Revelation chapter number 3, in verse number 14. These are all, in Revelation chapter 3, he's giving, uh, of course, uh, the... the uh, announcements to every church and to the uh, to the angel of the church. And so in verse number 14, he picks up a new one and he says this in Revelation 3, 14, and under the of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And he says in verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, uh, that thou mayest see. I want us to see this in verse 18 and 17, rather. Uh, he's approaching a people. Uh, spiritually, and he's talking spiritually unto them. And he says, listen, you're neither cold nor hot. He said, listen, you're not, you're not on fire for God, but you're not, you're not out in the world. You've not walked away from God. You're kind of in that mediocre, you're neither hot nor you're cold. And he says, he gives them an indictment. He said, I would spew thee out of my mouth. But then he continues in verse 17, and he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and watch this phrase, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art poor, wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And what he's saying is, uh, listen, people arrive in their spiritual life to a spiritual place in their life 
where they think, hey, I am good and I don't need anymore. And listen, in America, let me tell you this, we are very blessed. We really are. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. Uh, you realize that in our town, uh, you can go to any number uh, of Baptist churches within a 50-mile drive of this church, and, uh, and there's, there's multiples of them, and hear the Word of God being preached tonight. You know how many countries that's not true in? You could drive hundreds of miles and not find a Baptist church where the Word of God is being. And what I'm simply saying is, we have been blessed greatly. You can go to Walmart which is located all around the world or all around the United States of America and you can buy a Bible for five, ten dollars and have access to the truth of the Word of God and what I'm saying is, uh, man, we have been blessed and sometimes if we're not careful, uh, we, we need to be careful that we, we need to guard that we don't get to that place where we say, man, I'm rich and I'm good and I have need of nothing. Because when we hit that place in our life, he says the second part, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And we go back to our verse in Proverbs 27, and he's saying this, the full soul loatheth in honeycomb. And we ought to make sure that, hey, we're not full of everything else in the world, that our appetite uh, for the spiritual things of God remains an appetite that, hey, we want to hear from God. We want to know who God is. We want to understand uh, more about the Bible. And the Bible says this in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, we need to make sure, and I know this is a Wednesday night crowd, and I appreciate you being And it shows, hey, hunger. We thirst. We desire. But may we guard in our life that we don't ever get to the point where we say, I'm not so hungry anymore. No, I think I can miss something. No, it's okay if I... Uh, we fill our life up with so many other things that, that all of a sudden the Bible takes a second step and, and the Bible's no longer as an important thing in our life. And we need to be careful. We need to guard against the fact that, that our appetite, our spiritual appetite would not go away for the Word of God, would not go away for the Word of God, that we would always be hungry for righteousness, that we would always be hungry uh, and after righteousness. The psalmist said this in Psalm 42 in verse 2, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? Oh, may we have that desire and that thirst and that hunger for God in our life. May we never get to that point where we're spiritually like those people in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 17, that we don't know that we're wretched and that we're miserable and that we're blind and that we're naked. May we always have that thirst and that desire for God. We see in verse Proverbs 27 and verse 7, the full soul clotheth and honeycomb. Listen, a honeycomb, Bible talks about it, that the Word of God is sweet, it's sweeter than honey. Listen, we ought to desire the Word of God in our life. May we not be so full that we don't desire the Word of God. We need to be hungering and thirsting. But we see the appetite in that 
idea of the hunger of the soul. I want you to see this. Not only do we see the appetite, I want us to see as well the attitude. Attitude in this verse. Look with me at verse, again, verse 7. He says this, The full soul loatheth and honeycomb. Does anybody know what the word loatheth mean? The word loatheth, we don't use it much today, uh, but, but it is a Bible word, and it means hate or despise. So let's go back to this idea. The full soul loatheth and honeycomb. I kind of hinted earlier, but uh, the Bible says in Psalm 19 and verses 9 and 10, it says, For the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Listen, the Word of God is, is better than gold. That we've, we've looked at that before in the book of Proverbs. The, the Word of God is sweeter than a honeycomb. Uh, listen, in Bible times, uh, that's about the sweetest thing that they could come up with. They didn't have all the, uh, the, the desserts. I mean, the French had not in, invented all the fancy desserts that they have and all of those things, and, and, uh, and they weren't known. But uh, the honeycomb uh, was the sweetest thing in the Bible. And so he's giving us a comparison of one of the sweetest things. And, and the idea of this honeycomb is that, uh, uh, listen, that somebody who is full will loathe or hate or despise the honeycomb. Now, could you imagine having, um, oh, I don't know, whatever your favorite dessert is, brownies, chocolate cake, I like chocolate, uh, or, or cheesecake or ice cream, and it, now I... I don't know, looking at it, there's been times I've said, man, I'm really, I can't eat that. But I don't throw it away. I, I know better than that. I put it in the freezer, right? I put it in a baggie if it's a cookie or a pie, or I put it, I, I safeguard that for later. But the idea of this verse is that somebody would uh, get so full in their life and they would have so much that they would actually hate and loathe Something that's sweet. Now, we're not talking on a physical plane. But if we were, it would be take your favorite dessert and throw it in the trash can. Say, I don't want it. And the same idea applies that, listen, there are people in this world that they get their life so full of everything else that's in the world. And listen, it doesn't have to be sinful. Uh, there's a lot of good things that people fill in their life. I remember uh, a long time ago hearing a devotion and, this fellow, he loved to play the piano. He said it just it was uh, one of his passions that he just absolutely enjoyed. And he said, but if I'm not careful, that piano can become a sin in my life because I'll get up and I'll play the piano instead of reading. And I can, I can displace God in my life with playing the piano and enjoying that ability to play music. Now, playing the piano is not sinful. Uh, playing sports is not sinful. Uh, having enjoyment uh, in your life is not sinful. Going on hikes and fishing and doing different things 
is not, it's not sinful to do those things. But when those things become uh, so important in our life that they consume our schedule and they, they displace God out of our life, it becomes sin. And it becomes wrong. And we can get so busy in life that you would actually loathe or hate or despise the Word of God in your life uh, so much so that you say, man, I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to be around it. Uh, and we need to be careful in our life that we don't arrive to that area. And that's kind of the idea that this is saying. And, and listen, when these things happen, you know what happens is not the taste of the Word of God. It's still sweet. It's still a honeycomb. But your attitude towards it, that's what we've got to watch out for. That's what we've got to be careful of. He says, a full soul loatheth and honeycomb. But look at the second part. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So the first one is easy to understand. When we get full of everything else, we kind of loathe the Word of God and it can displace God in our life. But what about the second part of that and the idea of every bitter thing? And, and listen, this I want to say that uh, somebody who realizes that they need God in their life, even if they have an abundance of things, I've said many times, it's not wrong to have possessions. It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to be a millionaire or be a billionaire. I, I, the Bible is clear. There's, there was rich people in the Word of God. Not everyone was rich, but there were rich, godly people in the Word of God. So it's not wrong to have those things, but it is wrong to take the attitude that, hey, I have all these things and I no longer need God. That's the wrong attitude. But you can, you can, uh, you need to be in the place where you realize that, hey, I need God in my life. So what about the bitter part? What about the, uh, the bitter things? And I, the only thing that I could think that really applies to that is even the bitter trials of life sometimes will draw you closer God. To the life of Job. It was really the whole point of all that. It was a testing point of Job. It wasn't, it wasn't because Job was wicked. No, he was a very righteous man. You go back and read it. Chapter 1, it tells you that very clear. It wasn't because Job had, had sinned against God. No, it wasn't a punishment. It was a testing time. And sometimes in our lives, God will allow bitter trials, hard trials to come in your life. You look at the life of Job. That was a bitter trial, speaking of that. But he looked at it and he allowed it to draw him even closer to God. If you could imagine being closer to God than Job was. And the Bible says this in James chapter number 1 and verse number 2. When we look at our, we're talking about our attitude and making sure that, hey, we don't loathe the Word of God and we don't loathe, uh, but rather we, uh, we can find sweetness in some of the bitterest trials that take place in our life. The Bible says in James chapter number 1 and verses 2 through 4, it says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into Diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, patience, but let patience have her perfect word, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting of nothing. Wow. I would have thought that that verse would go so well with the second part, part of that phrase. But to the hungry soul, that would be the soul that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. 
That would be the soul that desires to be closer to God. To the hungry soul, every bitter thing. Listen, sometimes bitter trials come in our life. Sometimes things come our way that we didn't ask for, we're not looking for, and, and we may not have even done wrong, and maybe even uh, we're, we're, we're living right and we're doing right. And listen, I can tell you many times in my life that, uh, that, that we were trying to do things and we're trying to serve the Lord and, and something would happen and I'd scratch my head and say, Lord, I, I just don't understand. It. We're trying to serve you. We're trying to be faithful. And we've run into this problem and that problem and every problem and sometimes God will allow bitter trials to come in our life and listen to find the sweet favor that's there. God's trying to draw me a little bit. Allowed this trial so that uh, so that I can be more, as the book of James says, uh, that, that this trial of my faith would work patience and that patience would have a perfect work and that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We would learn even through the bitter trials of our life. We see the attitude that we ought to have and it should be an attitude of, God, I want to know you. I want to know you better. But I want you to look as well at the ambition that comes from all of this. Look with me again at Proverbs 27 and verse 7. The full soul clotheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Save your spot there, Proverbs, as we'll be back there. And go with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And I got examples of this and this would be the ambition of of where that goes and that's that's looking forward what is our desire going forward hey that we should always have that desire to hunger and thirst after righteousness and I want you to notice here in Deuteronomy chapter number six and uh, verse number ten here's where contentment really comes in being content with what God gives us Deuteronomy chapter number six and verse number ten says this, Deuteronomy 6.10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, and when thou shalt have eaten... And be full. It says in verse 12, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Just a couple of thoughts on this verse. I want you to notice in the beginning of this passage, he is talking in a, in a future tense. He's saying, look at verse number, verse number 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land. He's talking about future. He's warning them. They have yet to go in and possess the land. They have yet to move into houses of which they have not built. They have yet to taste 
of the grapes of which they had not planted. They have yet to eat of the, of the olives uh, that they had not planted. They have yet to inhabit the land. And God is giving them a warning. He's saying, listen, I'm going to bless you and you are going to inherit a land and you're going to move into a house that you don't have to build and you're going to inherit a vineyard that you don't have to plant and olive groves that you don't have to plant. Everything's going to be set up. There's going to be wells. There's going to be water. And, and you're not going to have to work and labor for it all. He says this, better beware. Because, listen, when life gets easy, and when things are no longer difficult for you in your life, then you better watch out, and then you better beware. It says in verse 12, Lest thou forget the Lord God. Lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And he's telling them, hey, you better be careful and you better beware that when, you, when life does get easy and when I do bless your life and I do give you what I've promised and I take care of you like I said I would, that you don't forget who God is. Look in verse number 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the uh, gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted Him in Massa. And what he's saying is, hey, you better be careful because when you arrive and, and everything's provided for you, it's a slippery slope. Sometimes we fight through life. We fight through difficult trials and we fight through difficult problems in it. And it seems like we can't get ahead and maybe that's because God knows the moment that we do get ahead, the moment that things do go easy, hey, that we'll fall away from Him. Like they, He issued them a warning. By the way, that happened. They had problems. They got away from God. Just like He warned them that they would, and He told them, don't do that. And I'm saying that we need to be careful lest we become full, as our proverb, as our proverb says, and loathe God, the goodness of God. And He issues them a warning about forgetting God not only that, but turn with me to Exodus. We'll look at another example. Exodus chapter number 16. I want you to see a very vivid example of something that, uh, that took place in the nation of Israel. Exodus chapter number 16 and verse 13. There's a warning about despising God's provision. Look with me in Exodus chapter number 16 and verse number 13. It says this in Exodus 16, 13. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. Let me give you just, uh, let me stop for a minute. In Exodus chapter 14, the nation of Israel has come out of uh, captivity, and they've crossed the Red Sea, and they're, they're now wandering through the, uh, the wilderness, getting ready to head into the land uh, that God has promised them, and, and they've got a, quite a few chapters to go. They're not going to go straight in. Uh, matter of fact, this is before uh, they had all the big problems. Uh, but, but, but this is kind of the idea uh, that they were asking 
uh, for something to eat. And so uh, at verse number 13, we kind of pick it up in the middle. And he says, And it came to pass that at the evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, is, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. And so uh, this is God providing manna in the wilderness. And so uh, the Israelites, they, they, get this, they go out and, and understand hey, they didn't have to go out and plow up fields and, and plant crops and, and, uh, and get, the, get the grain that they needed. All they had to do was go out to Walmart and pick up the manna right off the shelves. I mean, they were blessed. There was no, there was no work involved. Uh, they, they had it even better than Walmart because they didn't even have to pay at the checkout. So they just go out and pick it up. God provided manna for them. Look at verse number uh, 31 of this chapter. And he goes and recounts the whole story. And verse 31, he says this, and the, and the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was, it was like coriander, seed, white. Watch this in the last phrase. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Now, I think that means it was a sweet cookie. I think that's what it was. Praise the Lord. They go out, man, they just pick up sweet off the ground and eat them. I know some of you probably would have put a hand sanitizer on them and stuff, but that would have ruined it. They go out and they get them sweet cookies. And they pick it up and they're eating it. And man, they are content. They're not to gather more than they can eat one day. Uh, they're only to gather what they can eat. And on the Sabbath day, they're to gather, uh, the day before Sabbath, they're to gather double so that they have for the Sabbath day. And and you go through and you read all of that and you find, man, God provided for them in an amazing way and, uh, and took care of them every step of the way throughout the desert. Go with me to um, Exodus chapter number 16. We're in verse 16. And look with me at verse number 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited they did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. God supplied for the nation of Israel time in and time out. Go with me to Numbers chapter 11, and we're going to pick up uh, the, the same story here, the same idea, but after uh, these many years that they had eaten this manna. Now, when it was fresh and when it was new, uh, man, they, they thought, man, it tastes just like a sweet cookie. They loved it. But look what happens after a while of God's provision and after watching God provide, uh, look at what takes place. Look at the transformation, at their, uh, the difference of how they thought about it. Numbers chapter number 11 and verse number 4. The Bible says this in Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. 
the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away, nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a coriander seed, and the color thereof was the color of bdellium, and the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it in mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. The manna had not changed. The manna was still the same. What happened was the people, got to a point in their life they didn't care about God's provision. They were so busy remembering the onions and the garlics and the leeks and the cucumbers and all the food that they had in Israel that it was no longer important to them the fact that God was taking care of them and that God was providing their needs for them and they became discontented with God's provision. And we look at the Proverb 27 and verse 7, and and it says this, it says, The full soul loatheth in honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. And what I don't want us to ever do in our life, in our Christian life, and I know I'm preaching on a Wednesday night to mature Christians who have been in church for a long time. Listen to me, we should never get to the place where we despise God taking care. I wish you a better job. Listen, all he paying up for our whole life. We die, go to heaven. Never get to the point where we're discontented. Provision God gives. Sometimes it's hard. Yes, sometimes. They look at what they did to it. I'm amazed. It, it says they ground it in mills, they beat it in mortars, they bake it in pans, they made cakes of it. They 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 worked that manna into every recipe that you could imagine. They made everything up. Problem was, they got sick of God's provision wanted something more what God had given When we want more than God provides for us, we're in a dangerous Careful. Full soul, clothed or hated, and honeycomb. Hungry, every bitter thing. I heard a story tell about a fella he had a a cook that worked in his house cooking for him. Come down one day and and he heard it as he was coming down, he heard in the kitchen, the cook said, Man, if I just had five bucks. So he thought to himself, Well, good cook, does that, comes down and, and he gives her five dollars. Walks out of the kitchen, kind of pauses outside of the door out of sight. Cook says, "Wish I would have." Is that the way? 
get so we ask for one thing, get it, then we're not happy with it. What an incredible lesson what God provides for us. Not load God's provision. Always be hungry. Hunger, thirst after righteousness. Paul said this in chapter 4, number 11. He said, I have learned whatsoever I am. The verses prior to that, he said, I know how to, how to abound. I know how to abase. In other words, to live without. He said, I know how to abound, how to have a lot. He said, but whether I have a lot and I abound, or whether I have neither of and I am abased, I have learned whatsoever I am. God's blessing, God's provision in our life. May we not be loathful. Something God provides for us. So, ways bless us. Not be a point where we don't righteous. Everything God gives to our palate. Difference in our attitude. We stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, truly, you have blessed us beyond measure. God, I thank you for every Christian here tonight. God, I, I believe that desire you. They hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, may we be in our life. When the trial's over, when you've blessed us, when we're not scraping to get by, and when we're not struggling to get through every trial that I'm full life and things in life and loathe the word of God for provision. God, may we learn to like even trials of our life. Find this of drawing closer. God, I pray that you bless each and every listener. Thank you again for the. May you work in each and every heart as a.